you don't need to be an accountant to work out that with what you're taking and what your costs are, if you're losing money, it's like how much more can you lose and how much longer can you afford to lose for? Today on Dirty Linen, we are returning to one of our previous guests, although she has moved continents since we spoke to her. Di Kayser is the owner of Hardware Society, um, a cafe that has spanned Melbourne and Europe with its branch in Paris. When we spoke to Di, she was holed up in Barcelona in a pretty serious lockdown. And I honestly don't even know what month it was. I don't know where Melbourne was at that point. I just know that everything's been a bit of a blur. And Di, you know, I, I just really can't believe where you find yourself um, in your business and your life right now you know last week you were in hotel quarantine in Adelaide on your way back to Melbourne and I was just going back through the messages we were sending back and forth last week and I was telling you that you know maybe Melbourne was a little bit on the up but uh goodness me you just don't, do not know what the world is going to throw at you at the moment do you? No you don't it's um a really um unusual situation to be in. I mean, I think I've done more lockdowns and quarantines in more countries than I care to imagine. I was, you know, coming back here to try and work on our business and and all of a sudden I get to Melbourne and it's lockdown mode. It's just so not what I expected to happen. I mean, we've been told for a very long time that our um, our um, hotel quarantine is gold standard and it kind of raises many questions for me in terms of if it's gold standard, why are we going through this now for a third time? And the reason that I chased you up today to have a chat is that you um, put out a really sad post about the fate of the Hardware Society Cafe. You've got two in the city. There's one in Hardware Lane. And what, what was what was your post about today? Um, well, basically, I just wanted to put it out there that it's okay not to be okay. Like, you know, not in my wildest dreams would I have ever imagined that where we are today, what is currently happening in the world is still affecting Melbourne businesses the way that it is. I mean, the CBD is in the worst possible shape it could ever have been in. I mean, I've been running businesses in the city for almost 20 years and I've never, ever seen anything like this in my life. You know, it's truly, truly devastating. And it's not me. It's so many businesses. It seems like the daytime economy just doesn't exist. And we need to get some dialogue around this. We need the city of Melbourne to step up and petition the state government. We need we need federal funding. I mean, otherwise, there's simply not going to be restaurants left. Well, paint the picture of us. I mean, I know that you keep a very close eye on your businesses, even when you're not in the same city as them. But tell us what you were noticing about your city cafes over the past, I guess, few months since Melbourne's reopened. Well, I mean, we were obviously a tourist destination. On top of that, Melbourne's CBD is full of international students. And then what makes up the rest of our client base is office workers. When we don't have any of those, we don't have a business. It's as simple as that. And so what kinds of decisions have you been pushed to make about the future of those businesses? Well, we really just need to preserve cash. So in all, we, will, we will indefinitely close the Hardware Street location. Um, that will at least free up some cash flow and um, at least allow us to keep plodding along and pushing and hoping that things will turn around here. And, I mean, that's all you can do. I mean, we're still committed to a lease, so it means we still have to pay rent. But 
at the moment, if we've got no customers, we're better using those staff elsewhere than trying to muddle through. That's just, I mean, to me, that sounds like a, an enormously hard decision, but is it in the end actually quite simple when you look at the numbers? Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, you don't need to be an accountant to work out that with what you're taking and what what your costs are, if you're losing money, it's like how much more can you lose and how much longer can you afford to lose for? And that's 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 the, the, the fact of the matter. And, I mean, we're committed to making sure we get through this. But, you know, to date we have lost a lot of money and it is con- going to continue to happen. So at what point do you try and shift your focus and go, okay, well, if it costs us this, if it costs us 20000 a month in losses, if we get rid of that, pay the rent, that's five, we're 15 ahead and that way we're preserving cash for elsewhere. That's really the crux of it right now. I think most people listening probably know about the Hardware Society and the cafes that you've created, but I think it's really important to put it into context. Like these are cafes that have been a big part of what's made Melbourne what it is in terms of, in terms of, you know, being really at the forefront of what cafes can do for, for people, people that come to them, but also for a city. And as you say, you know, they're destination cafes. And I think this news is really, it's really hit people hard because you just think, you know, I've had a message from someone who runs a cafe in the suburbs and she said, if that can happen to them, it can happen to any of us. So I think it's a real, I mean, it's not a wake-up call because any business owner knows, you know, how close to the edge they're, they're, they're flying at the moment. But I think, you know, even for, for customers, it's just a real, it's really devastating blow and an emblematic loss to the city. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, people need to, if they live within five kilometres, don't go and use a delivery platform, you know, go walk and pick up a coffee. Um, Think about all the things that can help small business. Don't use Uber. Don't use Deliveroo. These guys are killing us and they're making a fortune. So, you know, we're a small business. Small business needs support. It's as simple as that. And you mentioned at the start, you know, of course, as customers, there's a lot that we can do as as far as where we put our money and how we choose to spend it. But talk about some of the things that you would like to see um, from the council or the government that would assist your business through this endless crisis. I mean, obviously, I'm a small business compared to a lot of these large restaurant groups who had ordered in kilos of you know, marin, crayfish, blah, blah, for for the weekend, which was shaping up to be probably the best weekend we'll have had in a very long time. Um, how, how How do we move forward from that? Well, the state government needs to start pulling their purse strings and divvying up some cash for all of these businesses that have just basically been shuttered again for the third time. There needs to be some support from the City of Melbourne. I mean, these parklets... What's happening with these? How long are we going to have outside setting for? Some, the fact is some people it doesn't work. We're one of them. 
um, and then encourage spending in London um, in or in the UK I should say uh, during summer the the um, government created vouchers for people to go and spend similar to what they did I guess for the tourism industry getting people to go and have a staycation away from Melbourne um, similar thing encouraging people to spend money and I think that this is very unique to the city of Melbourne I mean the suburbs seem to be faring a lot better than the CBD itself. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think people, if yeah, most people don't live that close to the city. I mean, I checked today if I could get delivery from you guys and I was like, no, I'm out of the zone. Um, but, of course, there are a lot of people that live in the city. But as you also mentioned, so many of those were international students and many of those uh, are seeing the situation out elsewhere. So... Yeah, it's it's a big it's a big slice of the customer base that's and that's people not are scared to come back to the city. You know, people are scared of crowds, and that's something that we really have to tackle. I mean, I look at our our processes in Melbourne, and you know, checking in when you go to restaurants, all of that kind of thing. Like that doesn't exist in Europe. Um, there's no contact tracing. If somebody comes into your venue with COVID, you're never going to know about it. Whereas here. There's some really good processes around that. We need to be able to have confidence and trust our system to know that you're going to be safe. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say that uh, until this latest blow, I was really trusting the system. And I think the contact collection is, de I feel like that's that's a frontline defence um, uh, system that we've got. And... I think it does a really good job. You know, I'm obsessive about leaving my contact details. And I think one of the things that we've heard that slowed some of the contact tracing down on this occasion is that some people haven't left correct details and it does slow that um, slow that part of the system down. I mean, obviously we can't have um, a virus escaping from hotel quarantine anymore. That's just devastating. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but there is, I suppose, a network of um, defences that are supposed to keep us safe and keep businesses open. And, exactly. yeah, I mean, obviously we're in a better position than Europe for multiple reasons. I would go as far as to say I think it's been very reckless from the federal government with vaccination. I mean, all of these vaccines have been approved in other parts of the world, Europe, the UK, the United States. And it's now the middle of February and we're taking our first delivery of the Pfizer vaccine. I mean, really, I think we could do better than that. I think and Australians expect better than that. It shouldn't take this long to now be rolling out a vaccination program when, you know, Israel is more than half vaccinated, the United States are powering through it and the UK. And the numbers have, in terms of infection, have actually decreased as a result of vaccination. So why aren't we like moving forward faster? I mean, is there no urgency? I know we're in the island and I know we have a small amount of cases, but the moment a case breaks out of quarantine, everything stops and then it costs us money. Yeah. And by that, I mean the community. Sure. Well, I think there has perhaps been a bit of complacency about getting the vaccine out there because we've had such low case numbers. But I suppose if you're always looking to, you know, be the best or do better or take advantage of um, of our natural advantages such as being an island and, you know, having um, virtually no community transmission, then, yeah, you've got to 
you've got to have every defence swing into play and the vaccine is obviously a a huge part of that. But it does make me think that when you start speaking about frontline workers that are getting the vaccine, of course, aged care, of course, um, of course, any healthcare workers. Um, But I suppose hospitality are also frontline workers in that sense, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the number of people that on a day-to-day you would come across in an ordinary service would absolutely exceed that of any frontline worker when it all comes down to it. And there's no guarantees that who you are seeing don't have it. Mm. I know that in the US at the moment there's a big debate. So let's say in New York at the moment they're going to 25% capacity for indoor dining in a situation where virus numbers are going down. Yes, vaccine is rolling out, but there's still an enormous number of cases and, you know, hundreds of deaths. It's it's just devastating. Uh, but I think one, one of the big debates over there is is the danger that uh, desperate hospitality businesses and their workers are put into where this is the only way that they can eke out some kind of income because there is basically no government support. But, of course, they're on the front line and it's incredibly dangerous work. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, I will agree. I, I do say that in terms of what the government has done here has been really helpful there needs to be more for a small proportion of business but to be in a position where you just have to push forward and there's a sense of recklessness as a result of that that is frightening that I couldn't even imagine yeah it is it's it's terrifying to think of and it's yeah I just cannot imagine being a customer in a city such as New York at the moment and thinking it was a good idea to dine inside a restaurant. Yeah. Just think it's fraught with so many, um, yes, yeah, so many. Unknowns. Ba- so many, yeah, so many unknowns and, and awful possibilities. Um, Di, this it must have been just a hell of a year for you. Um, how are you going personally? I'm not okay, but I've come to the realisation that it's probably better to say that than pretend that I am. Like, it's been tough. I mean, you're away from all of your family, your friends, your businesses. It's like lotto getting a ticket to get on a plane and then whether you actually get that. I had like four flights cancelled before I finally got my flight to, to Adelaide. Um, it's kind of a roller coaster of emotions, you know. I didn't even tell my parents I was flying home until I was at the airport and I checked in because I was just like, I just can't go through this again if if I get cancelled, like, it's just, it's really hard. Yeah. And then, you know, you sit in quarantine for 15 days. To be honest with you, it was a terrific experience and I have nothing but praise for the South Australian government. The way they handled the quarantine, the experience where I stayed was wonderful. I was checked in every day by police, by medical personnel. Everything was far more exceptional than I thought. So, you know, I had a good experience, but... It seems that Melbourne just can't get it together. So. Hmm. And I just can't believe that you came over here, <laughs> left left Adelaide and came over here and into lockdown. <laughs> you couldn't write about it really, could you? You're, you're an incredible business person with your husband, Will. You've built these amazing businesses over years. Uh, I mean, you just, I think... One of the things as a business owner is that you'd really try to build up certainty. Of course, every day in a business, you know, the curveballs come at you. But what does it feel like to have so much certainty ripped away? Oh, it's gut-wrenching. You know, you begin to wonder whether you're doing the wrong thing. You know, you begin to question your decision-making processes. It's horrible, horrible. 
but I've got to just remember that this is not something that I can control. It's not something that any of our staff can can control. And we just need to work as a team and to get through it. It's the best that we can, right? I mean, what's the alternative? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know you've got such a strong team and, and, you, and you're, so, you're close to so many of them that, yeah, I guess you feel responsible for them as well and they're in it with you, which is, I guess, a credit to your leadership. But it must be... It must be really hard to just, you know, get up each day and, and keep going and, and, you know, put out more fires. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll admit there's been a few tears, but, you know, I'm not one to be defeated and I'm not going to let COVID take me down. So, you know, we've just got to push through this and, you know, put my big bow pants on and we'll be okay. <laughs> um, and what's the situation with the Paris Cafe? Um, at the moment, uh, still closed, maybe April or May, but I guess that really depends how successful the um, the vaccine rollout is in France because then they're, they're not renowned for uh, high vaccination. Um, so at the moment, France is an uh, eight a uh, six pm to eight am curfew. Um, so God. yeah, wow. So yeah, and I mean, then what that does is it creates. Um, a lot of French are now travelling to Spain because restaurants are open in certain regions. So Madrid is completely operational food-wise. So there's a lot more contagion because people are crossing borders because they want some of their old life back. So it's pretty well, That is a mess. Yeah. That is really bad. Yeah, it is really hard. But it's the world we live in and we've just got to hope and trust that at maybe by the time we hit June or July, the numbers will start to pull back and the vaccine will start to take effect. And what about your, you know, the hospitality community, whether it's in Europe or in Australia, have you found that people are sort of on the same page as you, are people standing beside you or is there a, a, um, different opinions or a bit of fracturing in those communities? Well, for, for us in France, I mean, small business owners don't get any support from the government. So if you, um, so as an employee within your business, you don't, in, you're not entitled to uh, a paid chômage like your employees. So a lot of our friends who are in hospitality are actually working in their businesses. But because our restaurant is based in Paris and we actually live in Barcelona and our home base in France is actually Normandy, that's not logistically possible for us. Mm. Um, so, and to not have our staff on chômage would be a greater expense. So, um, so I think everyone's kind of in the same boat and they're just trying to tread water. And I'm, you know, obviously I created a flurry of conversation last night and, you know, it's, it's refreshing to know that other people feel like we feel and they just haven't had the confidence to say it. And it's just all about dialogue and having conversation around this and knowing that you, there are people to talk to um, and it's okay. I mean, you know, I had some horrible, horrible comments on my Instagram post suggesting that if I took $10,000 a day and I'm turned over $4 million a year, I should have the money to be able to, to get ride through this. Now, I'm not sure if anyone actually realises what wages costs are and what rent is and what costs of goods are and how much that actually leaves for a business owner because it's not a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's not a lot in normal times, right? No. So in normal times, so, you know, when we were riding higher and we were busy, we should have thought about the fact that there would be a pandemic. 
So there's some pretty horrible people out there that really need to understand that this is not a time to be nasty and writing horrible things. I mean, I had some lovely comments from people who couldn't believe what others had written and I was just flabbergasted. I mean, who does that? I mean, keyboard warriors sitting behind a computer, not wanting to to, to put their face out there, but it's really, it hurts people. So, you know, in a time like this, people just need to think about what they say and how they say it really. Uh, definitely. I mean, there can never be too much kindness and I, I don't know what anyone's motivation would be like to question, you know, to question the way that you manage cash flow. Uh, sure, some businesses might have had like a little war chest set aside, but, but this was not foreseeable. We have a war chest, but there's a point where that's not going to be, you know, there anymore. And it's as simple as that. And it was a very large ward chest. Mm. You know, we've advanced stuff, oodles of leave. People that are on 457 visas that didn't have any leave, um, didn't have another income, his partner had lost their job. We, we made sure that everyone could pay their rent. And if anyone had a problem, they just needed to ask. So, you know, before people jump on board and think that, you know, I'm crying wolf and I should have, you know, X, Y and Z in the bank just to make sure for a rainy day, live your life for a moment like we do. And I know that I care for all of our staff and anyone just needs to come to me and say I'm not okay and I'll be the first one no matter where I am in the world to make sure that they are. There's one thing that is sort of troubling me about the situation and, and the pressures that businesses are under. And that's um, that's the pressures on businesses to not pay their staff or not look after their staff in the way that you are. And, you know, there was a really disturbing video. Actually, it might have even oh been God, while you Adelaide. were in quarantine. Yeah, while you were, it was probably while you yeah. were there. So there was yeah. a... It was, you know, it was hard to exactly work out what was going on, but the stories that came out afterwards, it seemed to be that there was an international student um, from China who had not been paid for working, I don't know if it, was, if it was wages or if it was a trial shift at a bubble tea cafe in in um, Adelaide's Chinatown. And it was someone associated with the employer, not the employer, who, who hit her, who yeah, hit yeah. this girl that was asking for her wages. And following on from that, there were some um, protests by... By, uh, by union and international students and other workers in Adelaide's Chinatown outside some of the restaurants um, that had had that had been accused of underpaying staff, and I think there is, and of course there's all the issues that around delivery drivers and you know these often desperate internationals that are just trying to scrape by without any government support um, or assistance and really nowhere to turn. And it does worry me that in an economy that is so squeezed that some of the people that are are very vulnerable are just going to be even harder done by. Oh, I completely agree with you. I mean, we pay above board. All of our staff are paid by the award. Casuals, full-times, everyone is covered the way they should be. And that's the way a business should be run. So if you go into a restaurant and you see a plate of food that costs you 10 or $15 as a main course, it is your responsibility to think about is that person being paid what they should because 9.5 times out of 10, they're not going to be. You know, you go, oh, Lobster Benedict at $26 is expensive. Okay, so lobster's $70 a kilo at best. By the time it's cooked, the 
shells removed, the labour costs are taken into consideration, et cetera, et cetera. There's no margin. I mean, this is this is the reality. So people need to start thinking about what it costs them to dine out. And if they are eating somewhere that is inexpensive, it is generally going to mean that the employee is not being taken care of. It means that they're getting paid cash in hand. All the restaurants that closed up as a result of COVID were just paying their staff cash in hand and didn't get JobKeeper as a result. So many of them fell into that bucket. And it's disgraceful. You can, it's really highlighted some of the ways in which the system is broken. And I'd perhaps also add to what you were saying. It's like, it, yes, it could be the way that the staff are being paid, but it can also be about the produce that's being used. And if you want yes. to eat, for example, ethical pork, um, there is a cost associated with that. Yeah, I do agree with that as well. But, you know, the majority of it is all going to come down to labour costs when, when it's said and done. Because that's such a, that's the, the largest proportion of your costs. Yeah, well, ours is 65% at the moment. Wow, that is a that is a scarily high number. Yeah, it is. And before COVID, forty seven, and that's paying above board with everything. Yeah. So that's the reality in today's world. There's something else that you said before, Di, which I'd love to pick up on, and that was, you know, that you felt like people hadn't been hadn't been given permission to say that things aren't okay. And I think there is so much in that for hospitality where you know hospitality is creating experiences for people it is all about making things okay and you know it's that classic you know smile on your dial and all that kind of stuff do you think that um it is particularly hard for hospitality people to let their guard down in that way yeah i think it is and i think that since covid the customer experience has changed as well and the customer is far more difficult and demanding and it's putting a lot more pressure and stress on the staff. So it, it's an interesting model. I mean, I'm, I'm a female and I, I can be vulnerable, but as a male, you can be too. And if you're having problems, it's okay to say you're having problems. We're not perfect. This world's far from perfect right now. And we really need to... to to communicate that, talk to someone, make sure they know that it's okay not to be and that there's someone that's going to be there to listen, to work through your problems. Talk it out, hug it out, cry it out, <laughs> drink it out. Yeah, water's good. <laughs> <laughs> Gin's good too. Um no, look, you're absolutely right. And without, I certainly don't want to make light of what you're saying. Like anybody who feels like they need someone to talk to and doesn't have a friend um, or a medical professional that they can reach out to, you can certainly talk to your GP. Um, exactly. You can, yeah, Beyond Blue has a coronavirus hotline as well. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. So yeah, don't don't hesitate to reach out. It is it is a really, really tough time. And I think this third lockdown has really shaken a lot of people in Melbourne because we felt like we were just starting to trust normal a little bit. Um, and so it has been really destabilising and brought up a lot of stuff and there's a lot of stuff to bring up. Yeah, it's true. I do agree. Di, uh, just all power to you. Um, thank you for 
just being who you are and thanks for what you bring to Melbourne. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm sorry you're here under these circumstances. <laughs> and I hope that um, there are some good times to come and um, that, yeah, your time in Melbourne can be a little bit joyful as well as just full of a whole bunch of logistics and pain. Yeah, look, I'm sure that the state government will get this right. Well, I'm hoping they will. And, you know, Melbourne will, will you know, rise like a phoenix, I guess is the best way to say it. And, you know, we'll, we'll come through this. But, you know, I, I just guess in today's world, you can't plan for anything. And I guess I'm an example of that. So, you know, it's it's just the way it goes. And I'm okay with that. So, you know, we just need to knuckle down and next next day, next issue, right? Totally. I will see you for a lobster Benedict soon. Look forward to it, Danny. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Thanks. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. <laughs>